Welcome to the Barrel Room Chronicles. I'm Carrie Moynihan, a certified bourbon steward, former bartender, and all-around whiskey aficionado. I travel the world to explore whiskey from every avenue. For the last 20 years, I've been helping others tell their stories through television, film, and other media. But now, I'm taking my love for whiskey and my experience in the entertainment industry to uncover the fascinating stories of the water of life. So kick off your shoes, pour yourself a dram, and join me for this episode of Barrel Room Chronicles. Fine wine has long been a cornerstone of wealth generation and preservation. The problem? Historically, it's been reserved for the ultra-wealthy. VinoVest is changing that. Wine has one-third the volatility of the stock market and has outperformed the global equities market over the past 30 years with 10.6% annualized returns, proving that the returns can be just as robust as your favorite red. It is so easy to get started in diversifying your investment portfolio. VinoVest makes it easy to acquire new investments. Equipped with a team of world-class sommeliers who evaluate wine and determine which ones will gain value over time. You own the wines in your portfolio outright. You can buy, sell, and even drink them whenever you want. Go to httpzen.ai slash barrelroomchronicles to receive two months of fee-free investing. Be sure to mention that Barrel Room Chronicles is helping you save on two months of management fees. It's time to start investing with VinoVest today. It is 5 o'clock somewhere, and you've tuned in to Episode 6 of BRC. For those of you watching this on our website, YouTube, or Spotify, you'll get a glimpse of the 291 Colorado Distillery when we speak to Michael Myers in Tales from the Still. And later in the show, Chef Louise Leonard will talk to us about fly fishing? Stay with us. Hey, everybody. We are back for another edition of Barrel Room Chronicles. Today's guest is Michael Myers from 291 Colorado Whiskey. So, Michael... We always start the show off talking about whiskey journeys. When you were a little boy, did you think ever in your wildest dreams that you'd be in Colorado making whiskey? And where did you grow up? And if you did not do whiskey all your life, what was your previous career? Okay, so no, I did not think I would be doing whiskey at uh, 56 years old. Um, making whiskey, drinking it probably, but not not making it and not... And, and obviously not making it to sell. Um, I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia, Alpharetta, Georgia. When I was really young, my mom and my parents got divorced. My mom moved to California. So I spent my summers in California with my mom, summers and Christmas time. Um, but I pretty much grew up with my dad on kind of a gentleman farm. We raised Tennessee walking horses and um, some cows at a certain point. But, but yeah, small, just a small farm. A um, couple of different ones throughout um, Georgia, and then we had a family farm in Tennessee, Flat Creek, Tennessee, um, which is in between Dickel and Jack. Oh, very nice. Uh, yeah, about seven miles each direction. So, yeah. Very and, nice. And a previous career. Yeah, I started this when I was 46, 10 years ago. Um, okay. I was a fashion beauty photographer in New York. Wow, that's quite a difference. Yeah, quite a difference. So it's, it's quite a story. So how long were you doing that career and why the sudden change to from photography to whiskey? So <clears throat> I picked or I was given a camera when I was uh, 15 turning 16. 
and um, picked it up and started shooting everything and anything, um, high school basketball and football games and um, cows and all kinds of stuff. And uh, came time to go to college and really was into photography. And so I wanted to be a photographer and um, went to Savannah College of Art and Design and uh, graduated SCAD with a degree in photography. Went back to Atlanta, worked for a year there, felt like I would be at the top of my game in a couple of years and really wanted more out of my career. So was either New York or L.A. My mom was in L.A. I knew people in L.A., so I went to L.A. and um, lived there for about five years and then met my um, now ex-wife, but my uh, future wife at that time. And and she was in the fashion world and um, a designer uh, she was working for wanted her to move back to New York. So we, we up and moved to New York and... Um, was really good uh, for me because my work at the time was more traditional, classic, not really the California look. Um, and so started working for GQ, Esquire, uh, Forbes. All the good uh, ones. Mademoiselle during that time. Yeah. And have two sons that were born on the Isle of Manhattan. So in New York City. Um, and then uh, 20... 2001 came around September and um, September 11th. Um, we lived three blocks from World Trade Center and I was on Greenwich and Duane when the first plane hit. So I saw it all. Yeah. So um, with my youngest on my shoulders and my wife, ex-wife, uh, was from Colorado. So we went back to Colorado and I commuted from Colorado Springs to New York almost weekly. Um, trying to save my photography career and and also be with my family. So did that for a long time and then um, was looking for something else to do that was creative, that I could do in Colorado, that, um, I don't know, just creative. And I was shooting Vanity Fair in August 2010, um, a portrait at the Met, and I um, was flying back and read an article about the guy that created Hendrix Gin and Sailor Jerry and thought I could brand a whiskey. And then someone said, why don't you try and make it? And I'm like, well, I'm from Georgia. They make it in the woods. How hard could it be? Right. <laughs> I had never brewed beer or distilled and um, started looking for a still, um, came to Vendome and Vendome, you know, the still was $50,000 for more or less a hobby still. I didn't realize that at the time, but really expensive. And so I um, felt that I could build my own still, design and build my own still. Wow. Um, yeah, kind of, you know, I, I try to think back to that time a lot and go, what was I really thinking? Like, how did I, you know, and, and I just, you know, being an artist and all like that, growing up on a farm, I, I've built a lot of stuff. So I'm like, can't be that hard. It's a very simple um, machine, right? right? And and so I just um, drew it out. I had, I don't know, 11 quarters of mechanical drafting in high school. So I, I knew how to draw mechanically, which was helpful and drew it up. Had it, uh, I actually needed copper and I had these photogravure plates. So a flat copper plate that you chemically etch an image in 
you put ink on it, put a piece of paper with it, run it through a press, and you get an inked photograph. So I took these plates that are very thin and had them water jet cut to the pattern that I had made and then rolled them through a metal roller roller to curve them and then took them to this guy that I found in Colorado Springs that could TIG weld copper. And that's an art in itself. And um, he was a phenomenal welder and took him forever to do it or get started on the project. But once he did, it was just amazing. and. I still have that still today, and, and the, the, the seams, um, his TIG weld seams are just so beautiful, art in themselves. And um, yeah, so I have a 45-gallon still that's really beautiful, has etchings all over it of um, Jackson Hole, Carefree, Arizona, Savannah, all different places that m meant different things to me throughout my life. They're photographs that I took in those places. In the column, the tall part of the still um i took and reversed the image on the inside to hopefully add a little more uh surface area and make the whiskey better or at least have a good story so i have a picture looking down and you can see the chrysler building oh, in wow. this inside of the column and you still use it today yes so i started out with a my process is three uh distilled three times pot stills um a beer still or stripping still was the first run. Second run is the finish with a thump keg. So my 45 gallon still, I had a manifold built for a, a, a keg or a barrel, a small five gallon barrel, 10 gallon barrel that turned it into a thump keg. Um, it's not a doubler because it's not heated. It's actually heated from the steam coming into it, uh, the right. distillate. So um, when I built a 300-gallon still that's identical to my 45-gallon, except for just bigger, um, I decided to use my original still as the thump keg. And so uh, we're doing 600 gallons a week here. Um, mm -hmm. And and those 600 gallons goes across that, old, that original still um, every week. So it's pretty cool. Um, I started in 600 or 300 square feet, um, making 60 gallons a month. So to go from 60 gallons a month to 600 gallons a week. Yeah, that's pretty, a big difference. Yeah, pretty amazing. And uh, especially in 10 years. So in that 300 square foot space, I was there for two and a half years um, and just making whiskey. That's very cool. So when you started off, did you have like an, uh, a nest egg that you said, okay, this will get me through the th first three years that you have to, you know, leave it in a barrel or did you have to get investors or how did the, how did the beginning start? Uh, the beginning started, um, actually I, I had a advertising job, I guess, a design job, um, that someone came to me and wanted a full on, um, full brand website, um, materials, television commercials, all kinds of stuff. And so um, I got paid pretty well for that. So I, I took that money and I didn't have a nest egg. I really bootstrapped this completely and, and really didn't have a sense of how to start a business. Um, so um, I just started. And, and um, so I took that money, I built, I built the still, I built um, the interior of that 300 square foot space, not a lot of money. And I also renovated my 84 Dodge truck that says uh, 
291 Colorado whiskey on the doors and um, it's a black truck. It's, 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 it's got about 500,000 miles since I renovated it. So it's a little rough at the moment. Um, I've got a donor truck. I'm getting ready to redo it hopefully, but I keep putting whiskey in a barrel instead of putting money in a truck. <laughs> um, so, um, but yeah, I started with small barrels, 10 gallon barrels in that space because a 53 gallon barrel wouldn't even fit through the door. Um, and, and I just started making whiskey and putting it in a barrel and, um, 2012, I guess I started maybe with a five gallon barrel and it aged for about six to eight months and a um, couple of barrels. And I sent some of the whiskey off to the whiskey Bible and, um, received 94 points for barrel number two of my rye whiskey. Great. Um, yeah. Which was pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, being that I'd never brewed beer or distilled when I started this. And, um, my, my bourbon recipe today is my very first recipe and my rye recipe, uh, today is my very second recipe. So, um, not a lot of experimental stuff going on at the start of it. Um, the, the whiskey came off the still tasting really good and, and didn't really change anything. That's awesome. So which did you make first, the bourbon or the rye? I made the bourbon. Um, so Mike Bristol, a friend of mine, Bristol Brewing Company here in Colorado Springs, had a 50-pound 50 50 bag of corn, um, flake corn or something like that. And he's like, you're welcome to it. I'm never going to use it. And I said, great. So I went to the homebrew shop, got enough um, rye malt, excuse me, rye malt to make um, an 80-20. So 80% corn, 20% malt rye. Um, my my bourbon recipe today is 80% corn, 19% malt rye, 1% malt barley. I took 1% away and changed it out early on within the month of making whiskey. But um, I, I ran um, September, a finish run September 11th, 2011, and that was the bourbon. And it came off still, and it was really good. Um, so I didn't change that recipe. Um, and then I, the rye, I loosely based around, um, a, the Thomas Handy recipe. Um, okay. it's a high corn recipe. And so, uh, our, so it's 61% malt rye, 39% corn. Um, and, and that recipe has never changed. Um, so yeah, it, a lot of, I, I say a lot of lightning strikes. I, I mean, I got incredibly lucky, um, a lot of hard work. But I know a lot of people in this industry have put a lot of hard work in and, and do the same. And, you know, um, things go different ways. So. so you've sent me four samples. We have the small batch bourbon, 100 proof, barrel proof bourbon. It's kind of rubbed off, but it looks like 128.4 proof. That's probably about right. And then I've got a small batch rye, 101.7 proof. And a Colorado whiskey, 129.2, it looks like, proof. So tell me about these variations. Like, what's... So mean, when I started this, I wanted to make a Western whiskey, right? And for me, I love rye. And I think <laughs> rye is big, bold, and beautiful, rugged, refined, rebellious. And, and so I... Um, the bourbon just got made because of the... Of, having that corn immediately and wanting to mash in 
um, on a weekend. And so I, then I went for the rye and, um, that is the 291 Colorado whiskey at barrel proof that you have. Oh, that is a rye. It is a rye. Um, so when I started both my rye said 291 Colorado whiskey, um, I didn't think I wanted to name it a rye. And then people were like, we like to know it's a rye. So the bottle proof at 101.7 got rye on the label, but I want the 291 Colorado whiskey is my whiskey and I don't want rye. I mean, there's a little rye on the label, rye mash bill or something like that. But other than that, I want it to be Colorado whiskey. So that's why it's labeled that way. Makes a little bit of confusion for people, but, but if you taste it, you'll know what it is. Um, And then, and then the bourbon is barrel proof and bottle proof. Um, okay. and it says bourbon on it. So, so which, uh, we're going to taste these four. Which one should I start with today? Which one do you want to talk about first or which tasting way I'd, do you think? Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd start with the bourbon. Uh, the barrel proof or the small batch? I would, I'd start with the small batch, the hundred proof, okay. just so you're not blowing out your palate. Right. Okay. I think I poured a little much for me. I'm going to pour a little on this barrel. There we go. Drinking in the middle of the day. So this is the the small batch that I have here. Nice. That's what I got. Oh, that's a beautiful bottle. Thank you. Oh, that smells lovely. So like I said, 80% corn, 19% malt rye, 1% malt barley. like light and sweet with a big bite um all my whiskeys are finished on aspen staves so i take toasted pieces of aspen wood and put them either in the barrel for the barrel proof single barrel or in the small batch when we batch them together um and they sit there for about three weeks um for me it adds a little more smoke a little more spice and um, a little bit of the caramel notes go to more maple. Nice. That's lovely. I'm going to now to the barrel proof. Is that what we're going to next? Sure. Mine is 128.4. I'm assuming they're all different depending on the barrel. They are. They usually sit around 128, 130. Um, But yeah. Now, is this the same? uh, Same mash. Same mash bill as the bourbon. Um, these two whiskeys we make every other day. That's got a kick. Yeah, it's a big whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> that would be good. Uh, well, so many things it would be good with, but I'll let Chef Louise tell us what that would be good with. But ooh, that's got a great, it's got a lot of flavor. A big, bold, hot. Yeah, it's great. Thank you. Okay. Now we're going to move on to the rise. So I do the 101.7, which is kind of a funny story because I, um, the first time I proofed whiskey down, you can't back up. And I literally did not know what I was doing. <laughs> and so I, um, I was trying to hit a hundred and I think I got to 101.6 and I'm like, you know, I think I'm good. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to just sit right there. And then the ne- next batch, um, I proofed it down and hit 101.7 and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to stay there. 
And it's just as hard to hit 100 or 101.7. You know, I, I now know that after proofing many, many batches down, many barrels. Um, but it was That's a funny lovely. thing. So That's um, lovely. it doesn't even taste like 101. No, it doesn't. It's not. Mm. So this one is 60, 61% malt rye, 39% corn. That's delicious. Thank you. It's very smooth for that, that hot of a, a proof. All right. Now the Colorado whiskey, 129.2. That's, that's a big boy. Let's see. It is. And this one is how much? Same, same mash bill? Same mash bill. Okay. I like high proof whiskey. You can always add yeah. water to it if you want it a little softer. No, that's great. The, the flavor is a little bit more bold yeah. than the 101. And I agree. I like to have it hot. That way you can, you know, you can always you can. add water or ice yeah. or whatever. And, and truly, these whiskeys, if you take one drop from an eyedropper, one drop and drip it in there and let it sit for a moment, it just opens up and softens and gets incredibly beautiful. I'm going to try that right now. A lot of people don't realize that whiskey's a lot like wine when you oh, pop yeah. that cork and it opens up and changes. Oh, yeah, that, the smell already changed the nose. Right? Oh, yeah. That's, uh, that, that blossoms it. Yeah, it's yeah. beautiful. It's, it's just a slight bit lighter, um, but still very bold. It's delicious. Thank you. So do you do anything else besides whiskeys? It's all whiskey at your place. It's all whiskey. I, I awesome. do have a, we call it a redheaded stepchild. Um, it's a, it's a liqueur. Um, it's whiskey based, but, um, literally, um, I'd been making whiskey a month or so went to a, my second tasting in Breckenridge and you had to come up with a cocktail, um, for the tasting. So I, I've always done, uh, whiskeritas. And, and so I, so I was going to have a whiskerita. And the funny thing about that is now, excuse me, I, I own that trademark. Um, so there are only five cocktails in the world that are, have been trademarked. And it's um, the hand grenade, Sazerac, Dark and Stormy, Painkiller, and now the whiskerita. That's awesome. And, uh, yeah, it's awesome. How, so how went, long did that process take to get the trademark? Not, not too long. Uh, it took a while. Like this was 10 years ago, month in, I went to make whiskeritas at this, um, the poker run the night before the grand tasting did that. The morning I woke up, it had snowed. I'm like, I can't do whiskeritas. So I came up with another cocktail, but, um, but I had that name then and didn't have the money to trademark it. it took a few years. And finally this year we trademarked it. So, you know, it's a process. You just, yeah. You have to file paperwork and then wait and um, goes through the process and then they, they let you know or they want you to add more, you know, right. um, backup for it and stuff like that. So, um, but I, it snowed and I'm like, I got to go, I've got to figure something out. So I went to, for a drive and was like, you know, I've got citrus, um, I've got my fresh whiskey um, you know, what would go with that is a little bit of clove. It was October, you know, season. And so I went to the 
uh, grocery store, got some clove powder, went to the liquor store, got some Everclear, went back to my room, broke open the Mr. Coffee, made a clove tea, made a clove liqueur, you know, with sugar. And, and then I started mixing them together and tasting them. And I was like, nah. and I mixed them three, the three parts together and tasted it. It was like, wow, you can drink that on a snowy deck. If you drink too much, you're going to hit the deck. Um, that is the name of the, of the liqueur. It's the deck D E C C. And that's because, um, D E C K was not available on like com, And, um, so I named it that. And, um, it's a, it's a really nice liqueur. Um, it's kind of a little like triple sec with a little twist to it. Um, it's great. We take, take a ounce of whiskey and an ounce of that, put it over ice and it's a quick old fashioned. Oh, great. Um, yeah. So, but like I said, it gets no love in the distillery. It's really hard to make. Um, it's sticky whenever we make it. Um, so we, we stick to whiskey. We, we really like making whiskey. Awesome. So what states and or countries are your four uh, main products that we just tasted available in? So we're in 18 states, um, Colorado, I, I can't name them all, but Colorado, California, New York, um, Kentucky, te Texas, um, Las Vegas, so Nevada, um, Oregon, Wyoming, um, New Jersey, Miami, Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, um, DC, and um, Wisconsin, I think. Okay. Illinois. So. Great. And then Canada, a little in the UK and a little in Germany, but the tariffs oh, wow. really hurt that oh, for yeah. us. Um, yeah. So, but we're back, you know, we're back to normal there and trying to get more, um, trying working on Japan at the moment. So. Oh, good. Japan's great whiskey market. Yeah. Yeah. Excited about that market. Yeah. Awesome. So what's your 10 year plan with the, with the distillery? So I'm 10 years in, um, I started in that 300 square foot space. We are now in 12,000 that I'm sitting in. Um, we have two stripping stills behind us. And then in the H3 room, uh, the 300 gallon finish still, uh, we have seven, um, fermentation tanks over here on the left or my left. Um, we have 14,000 feet on the other side of this wall that we're going to take over in the next six months mainly for storage, barrel storage and stuff. Um, and, and just keep growing the next 10 years. Um, I have a, now a team of 30 people. Um, yeah, it's amazing. And, and, um, we're just keep growing, keep making whiskey, um, trying to get it in more States and also just more people, um, to taste it. Um, I, I really love the reaction when people taste my whiskey. I've, I've yeah, it's good stuff. Thank you. I've stood behind many tasting tables, pouring whiskey, um, and the reactions are always amazing. And, and I, I just hope that many more people over the next 10 years get to drink it and, and call it their whiskey. If you're drinking 291, we call you family. Um, so let's talk about the name 291. Is that some significance in Colorado or what is that? <laughs> it's significance in my life. Um, 291 was the very first photo gallery ever in the world. Gallery 291 Fifth Avenue. Alfred Stieglitz started in 1907. Um, I went to Savannah College, uh, Savannah College of Art and Design, and I moved in without knowing of the gallery into 
dorm room 291. Oh, wow. And then I learned of the gallery and I'm like, meant to be a photographer. I have the key to this day in my desk um, that's stamped 291 on it. And um, that number was around me a lot as a photographer. And then when I started this, building the uh, still out of photogravure plates and the process of distillation reminds me of the dark room. So uh, 291. And um, it's been a great name for a whiskey. So it is great. It's like, you know, you know, even if they forget the name, they know it's the one with the numbers. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. So do you have anything new coming out soon that we should tell our listeners to watch out for? Um, So we always have allocated whiskey, um, experimental. Our 291E label is our experimental batch. And so every every time we have something that's uh, interesting, that we feel is good enough to put in a bottle, we we release it as an E. Um, Last year, we did not release any E's. The year before, we released two. Um, this year we'll probably release, uh, well, we already have one released right now and we'll at least release another, if not two this year. Oh, cool. Um, and then, um, I just did, uh, this summer, I had never heard of anybody doing a four grain weeded rye whiskey. Oh yeah. That's that's a lot of grain. Yeah, so I did one. Uh, the white dog came off still amazing. I mean, incredibly incredible. So I'm excited for that, but that's a couple of years away. Um, and that'll most likely come out of it as an E first before we make a label out of it. Um, and then I did my bourbon, my 80%. I made it a weeded bourbon. So it's 80% corn, um, 19% malt wheat, and then 1% malt rye. Um, that the white dog came off the still really, really pretty. And so I'm excited about that. Very cool. Um, so do you do a lot, a lot of the, the hands-on work yourself or did you uh, hire some experts to do that for you? Um, so I hired, um, so at my first tasting and literally a week after making whiskey, I was in um, Rackhouse Pub in Stranahan's and they were having distillers guild tasting and so i brought my white whiskey and a bunch of people came around and all the about five guys from stranahan's came up and uh rob dietrich uh distiller now he's for blacken Blacken, was in that group and and tasted it and they were like this is the best white dog we've ever had and it was that's a great compliment yeah a great compliment and in that group was eric jett who started tasting it was like, oh my God, I taste this, 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 this is amazing, Bubba. And I left there and was like, okay, he's going to be my first hire. Um, it took me three and a half years to hire him. Oh, um, wow. I did not steal him from Stranahan's. He was in a hiatus and um, I had time that, and money that I could hire him. And so I brought him on freelance first and then um, he's distilled all my whiskey since. Um, and and it is an incredible distiller um and we still talk we you know all almost all the e ideas are my ideas um and but no physically i'm not you know i mean i can but no i i, I have a team that i i've got i've got to do podcasts i've got right. to run a company i've got to raise money different things like that so um my job has changed and and actually we were in the team launch meeting uh monday of this week for 2022 
whole whole company meeting and and Eric was like um, talking about it. And he's like, uh, you know, now I'm not doing so much hands on because I have Micah and Zach under me and they're doing all the work with people under them. And it's so different. My job's so different. I'm like, yeah, welcome to the club. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, he's an amazing person. I have an amazing team. Uh, it's been incredible to build that team and um, find people that most, if not all, the people that work for me um, came to work for me because they tasted the whiskey. That's awesome. They're like, I got I to gotta go find out what, what this is about. Right. So it is awesome. That is very cool. Well, Michael, thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate getting to see some of your your, uh, building there, first of all, and then getting to hear your whiskey journey and learn about these uh, four wonderful expressions was just fantastic. Thank you. Thank you so much, Gary. It's been a great day being with you and sharing my story and um, drinking a little bit of whiskey. So thank you so much. World of Wheezy is up next. Stay with us. If you like what you've seen on BRC, you'll love what's coming soon in the Barrel Room Parlor. As a member, you'll have exclusive access to various spin-off series, including The Cutting Room Floor and the Telly Award-winning series Kindred Spirits. To create your membership, visit www.barrelroomchronicles.com and click on Become a Member. Once you've chosen your membership level, you'll be able to enjoy all the extra content it has to offer. You'll even be able to participate with the show by commenting on videos and other posts. Don't wait. Sign up today for exclusive content in the Barrel Room Parlor. Hey, Louise, nice to have you this week. How are you doing? I am good. How are you doing, Carrie? Good. Um, I talked to Michael Myers earlier from uh, 291 Colorado Whiskey Distillery, and um, he sent over a couple of samples. And I know how you and I are both rye fans when it comes to American whiskey. So I sent over the 291 Colorado Whiskey, which it doesn't say it's a a rye, but I know that it's a rye because Michael told me. Anyway, so I sent that over and uh, wanted to see what you you thought of it today. Oh, well, it immediately took me to, I don't know, I should be camping and hiking somewhere in beautiful Colorado and have a nip of this at the end of the day. And one of the things that I've really been meaning to do is I have a very good friend that lives near Colorado Springs and he's always talking about fly fishing. And that's something I've never done. Uh, My husband has gone fly fishing and he's a good fisherman. And I do know that there's loads of rainbow trout. I believe there's bluegill and perch. And, and other fish um, in the rivers around there. And I don't know, to me, I was thinking, well, my God, if I was at the end of a day of fishing and, and hiking and you start the fire, open wood, and you put some fresh caught rainbow trout. Um, one thing I like to do when I'm grilling is I like to take citrus, either lemon or lime. You can use orange. Really, you could use whatever citrus you want, and I put that directly on the grill as well. It sort of caramelizes a lot of the sugars in the fruit, and then you can use that to make a vinaigrette to go over the fish. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, and I think that combined with this whiskey would be chef's kiss would be delicious. Yeah, no, I can totally see that with the flavors that come out of this. I can totally see the nature part for sure. And the camping for sure. And now that you say the rainbow trout, I can totally see that too. So that sounds great. 
Yeah. And I just think that rye whiskeys just pair so beautifully in general with fish. I, and I don't know if it's because I always, I associate having rye with salmon a lot. And, Mm -hmm. and, but I mean, honestly, I like all fish. So to me, the, the earthiness of the rye paired with like the freshness of, of something like a rainbow trout that's very mild in flavor, I think would be great. Cool. All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us this week on the show and giving us your ideas for the 291 Colorado whiskey, the rye flavor and the fish. That sounds great. And we'll see you next time. All right. See you later. For show notes on today's episode, please visit www.barrelroomchronicles.com. If you like what you heard, please rate and subscribe to the podcast. If you really liked it and want to show your support, buy us a whiskey through our Kofi site. If you work in the whiskey industry or run a whiskey bar or club, and you'd like to be featured on Barrel Room Chronicles, register to be a guest through our website. Thanks for joining me, and until next time, Salonjava. Barrel Room Chronicles is a production of First Real Entertainment and is distributed by Anchor FM and is available on Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, Amazon, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.